Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. I just want to encourage you, please, when you come to church, when you go to small group, in fact, wherever you go, but especially when you come to church, it's, it's so easy for us as a, as a generation to fall into the trap of getting into spectator mode. And just sitting and receiving and watching what's going on. Watching what other people do or what maybe God does. But our participation in the service does not end with worship. There's a reason why we start with singing. It's because we believe very strongly in what, what's called the priesthood of all believers. We believe that all of us are priests. Every single one of us is a priest. If you are part of the family of God, if you are part of the kingdom of God, then we are a kingdom of priests. Not a kingdom with priests, okay? A kingdom of priests. So I am not a priest as opposed to you that are not a, that, that, uh, you know, you are not a priest. So in some, you know, traditions they say, no, certain people, you know, if, you, if you have a certain title, then you're a priest, but, you know, normal Christians are not priests. We don't believe that. We believe that all Christians are priests because we are a kingdom of priests, not a kingdom with priests. Okay? And therefore we participate actively in what God is doing. Every member is a minister. Okay? So I encourage you, at the end of the service, I'm going to give all of us an opportunity not only to receive ministry, but to give ministry. And I want you to participate in that. Trust God. Start trusting God now already that he will give you an opportunity and that he'll minister through you and that, that you'll be able to participate, not in, only in receiving ministry, but in giving ministry. I'm going to be sharing this morning, I thought since we are doing baby dedications, I'll share a bit on blessing and what blessing is because that's what we do when we do baby dedications. We don't only dedicate the children to the Lord, but we bless them and we ask the Lord to, to bless them. So uh, for those of you who don't know me who are visiting, my name is Henny Swart. I'm um, the pastor of uh, Shofar um, Joburg, of Shofar Randberg. And I um, am married to the lovely lady who did the offering. Uh, oh, sorry, the announcements, the announcements. As you can see there, Rochelle. Um, and we've been married for, for many years now. Um, and uh, I believe that God does extraordinary things for ordinary people. But more than that, I believe that God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. Because I'm just an ordinary person, and I've experienced God doing extraordinary things to me. And I know most, if not all of you, are also just ordinary people, and I've seen God do many extraordinary things in and through you as well. And... Um, a lot of what God does in that way, He does through through blessing. And blessing is a is a um, a term that, in some ways, we as modern people don't necessarily fully understand. Uh, we we sort of wonder what is it. Sometimes it's a it's a term that we as modern people misuse and abuse. I mean, there's in South Africa, especially, you know, there's there's um, this culture of you know having a blesser you know who blesses you with money for you know sexual favors and all kinds of other stuff which is a horrific perversion of what <laughs> the term was supposed to be uh, but you know we as human beings often do that we we often turn um, something 
that God does in a good way into something bad. But, but what is blessing? So let me just start by, by maybe um, reading this passage in Numbers 6, verse 22 to 27. It's the very famous ironic blessing, not ironic, ironic, like Aaron, David's, uh, Moses' brother, the ironic blessing. And um, I'm reading that because, like I said, we're going to bless the, the children after, after the sermon, uh, pray for them, dedicate them, and, and, and bless them. Uh, you'll notice that we don't baptize children. Uh, we believe that, that you know, you're not born into the kingdom of God. You're born again into the kingdom of God. So your baptism does not, you know, like in the Old Testament, you got circumcised eight days after your birth because you were actually physically born into the nation of Israel, into the, the Old Testament kingdom of God. But you're born again into the new covenant kingdom of God. And therefore, your, your baptism should coincide with that, your new birth, not your, your, your physical birth. Um, so we don't baptize children. And you won't also find examples, as far as I know, of children being baptized in, um, in Scripture. You'll find families being baptized, but you'll have to assume that they are children. And I think there are good reasons to believe that uh, from the text that those families, if they had children, they probably did have children, but those children were probably old enough to understand the gospel and be able to respond to the gospel. Um, so we don't, we don't baptize babies, but what we do do is we do what Jesus did. We lay hands on babies and we bless them and we consecrate them uh, to the Lord. And uh, we have an example of that in Mark 10, verse 16, where it says, you know, Jesus took the, the, the little children, the babies and so on, into his arms. He laid hands on them and he blessed them. And, and that's what we do as well, following Jesus' example. So let's, let's talk about what blessing is from, from number 6. Let me just read number 6, verse 22 to 27 to you. It says, And the Lord, and that's the English, when you see the Lord in capital letters, it's the English translation of the Hebrew Yahweh which is God's name, the name of, of, of God. is the God of the Bible, Yahweh. So Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, You are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. And um, I'm just going to quickly look at what blessing is, what blessing does or results in, and, and how to receive it. So what, what blessing is? Blessing is a supernatural positive influence in someone's life that causes them to flourish and increase, as opposed to cursing, which is a supernatural negative influence on someone's life, which causes them to wither and decrease. A, a, a very good and well-known example of cursing is when Jesus curses the fig tree, Remember? The morning he, he, he walks to the temple with his disciples, uh, doesn't find fruit on the fig tree, curses it. When they come back, the next morning, passing it, they see it's withered and died at the root. Now, it's cursing produces withering and decrease. And, and you might ask, but, I mean, why is there such a thing as blessing and cursing? Well, the, the reason um, is given in the Bible, and we get to that in a moment, but, but God curses that. God blesses that which reflects his image. God blesses that which reflects his image and causes it to increase. And, and, and God does that in his grace. 
Just think about it. All the things that are hurtful and hateful about this world are the things that don't reflect God's image. All the suffering, all the sin, all the sickness, all of those bad things that we experience that make us sad, that that makes our, our lives miserable, are things that don't reflect God's image. God curses those things to make them decrease. And he blesses everything that does reflect his image, everything that is good and everything that is, that is, that, that is wholesome so that it will increase. So it's in God's grace that he both blesses and curses. It's his goodness that causes him to both bless and curse. Um, first thing I want you to notice about this passage is that God says, says to Moses, say to Aaron and his sons, in other words, the priests, that they are to pronounce blessing on God's people. In other words, blessing is something that, it comes from God, but it comes through other people, and specifically through what they say, through what priests say, through what Aaron and his sons, the the, the, the Aaronic priesthood, what they say. So blessings are pronounced, blessings are spoken, and they're spoken by people most of the time. God does sometimes bless directly, but most of the time, he blesses through other people and through what they say and do. Okay? And and that's also part of why this morning we're going to bless the children and we're going to speak blessing over them um, as as God's people. Um, In, maybe I can just quickly find it here, 2nd or first chronicles 23 verse 13 it says let me just read that Aaron was set apart he and his descendants forever to consecrate the most holy things number one to offer sacrifices before the Lord number two to minister before him number three and number four to pronounce blessing in his name forever so four things that things that priests do and if we are a kingdom of priests then those are four things that we also should do We are also to pronounce blessing. Priests, like Aaron, are commanded to bless. So that means we are commanded to bless. How often do you bless the people around you? How often do you speak blessing over the people at work or at home? How often do you speak blessing? Even if they are not necessarily physically present with you, how often do you speak blessing over the people that you know. God wants to use you. If you are a child of God, if you are a priest in his kingdom, then he wants to use you to bless others. But then you must know what blessing is and you must be willing, you must get into the habit, the discipline of regularly speaking blessing over people like Aaron and them did. At the end of every service, they would speak blessing. Uh, Every tabernacle service, they would speak blessing over the children of Israel. Um, But as we see in number six, even though people pronounce blessing, priests pronounce blessing, God is the ultimate source of blessing. And and, um, I think this, um, let me just see if I have it here. This, this, This text makes it very clear. And I just underlined wherever God's name appears. The Lord said to Moses, what are they supposed to say? The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And, and then the Lord says, and so I'll put my name upon you. You see, almost in every verse, God, the Lord, and his name appears. Because what is very clear is that even though blessing comes through people, blessing doesn't primarily come from people. It comes from God. God is the ultimate source of blessing. And that's what makes blessing powerful. 
And, and, and that should be a consolation to many of you who did not have parents like the, the four couples who are coming to bring their babies to be dedicated and blessed this morning. Maybe you didn't have parents who knew that you needed to be blessed. Or who knew how to speak blessing over you. Or were even priests, by being part of God's family, who could speak blessing over you. And you say, I missed out on that. I didn't get that. That's maybe why I've been struggling in life. You know, I've been at a disadvantage because I didn't experience that act of blessing. But that's not a problem. Even if your parents didn't know how to bless you, God is the ultimate source of blessing. And you can still get that same blessing from God, even though you didn't get it through your parents. You can still get it. And then I want you to... to um, so, just notice this. God says to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. And then he says uh, in verse 27, so, I'll put, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Why does God tell Moses to tell Aaron to bless the people? It's not a trick question. It's very obvious. Because God wants to bless his people. God wants to bless his people. God wants to bless you. He wants to. And we're going to see later on how committed God is to blessing us. So God does not begrudge his blessing to us. He does not want to withhold it from us. He wants to actively give it to us. Because God is a good God, a God of love, and a God who is so full of blessing that he's just bursting to give it to us. I mean, why do you think God created us? Why do you think God created us? Do you think he created us because he was lonely? Well, maybe you can say that of some of the other gods who are, you know, just one God, like Allah. You know, he's just one God. Okay, So maybe if he lived in eternity past, he would have been lonely because he was, would have been on his own. But the God of the Bible is not like Allah. He's not one God, period. He's one God in three persons. And he's not more one than he is three or more three than he is one. He's three in one. So God wasn't lonely in eternity. He didn't create us because he was lonely. He didn't create us, create us because he needed us. He didn't create us because he, he, he wanted some love or he wanted, you know, a pat on the back. You know, he's sort of got low self-esteem and when we worship him, you know, we, it's sort of a pat on the back. He doesn't need us. We don't worship him because he needs worship. Why did he create us? Because... The amazing blessing and love that he was experiencing between the members of the Trinity was just so powerful and wonderful that he wanted to share it. And he created someone to share it with. He created us. In other words, he created us to experience what he has experienced for all of eternity. The Trinity loving and blessing one another. And therefore, when we experience blessing, we're just entering into the life of the Trinity, the life of Yahweh, the life of the God of the Bible. So, in um, Genesis 1 verse 28, it says, And God blessed them of Adam and Eve. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it. Okay? And that's what's called the first mention. There's a principle of hermeneutics called the 
principle of first mention. Whenever something is mentioned for the first time, it's very significant. And that's the first mention of the word blessed. Okay? And it shows us, number one, that blessing comes from God. God blessed them. And number two, it it shows us that, that God does it not as a reward for performance. Because God blessed them before they did anything right or wrong. And it shows us what the result of blessing is. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it. Fruitfulness, multiplication, rulership. All of those things are the results of blessing. But notice that God, even though he blesses them, he still commands them to do those things because Even if you are blessed, those things don't happen apart from your will and your actions and your commitments. You still need to act, and God uses your actions and blesses your actions. You know, receiving blessing is not a passive thing. Don't be a spectator. Be a participant in living out the blessing that God gives. Um, And then a good illustration of, of the whole issue of blessing and the concept of blessing is the story of Jacob and Esau in in Genesis 27. Remember, Esau didn't really desire the blessing or value it. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Um, Jacob, you know, schemer as he was, and, you know, I mean, he wasn't the, the, the best guy in the world, but at least he wanted the blessing, okay? And he actively pursued it. Okay, And what happens was Esau is the eldest, he's the firstborn, so there's a special blessing that comes upon him. And Rebekah, their mother, over years, Isaac saying, listen, I'm about to die, Esau, go and hunt some game, prepare a meal for me, and I will bless you, I'll give you the blessing. But, but you know, Isaac was a bit going blind and so on. So Rebekah says to Jacob, who was a favorite, listen, put on your brother's clothes, you know, put some goat skin on your... Uh, you know, on your, on your hands and on your neck and so on, and, and, and get me some, some two young goats. I'll prepare the meal just like your father likes it. Take it in, and then you go and receive the blessing. You go and receive the blessing. And he sort of, in a sense, tricks his father into blessing him. And, and here's the amazing thing. Even though, the, I mean, there was also a prophecy. God had prophetically said that the elder will serve the younger and that the, the younger, Jacob, will will receive the, 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 the lion's share of the, of the blessing. And Isaac ignored that prophecy and still favored Esau and tried to bless Esau against God's what God had said. So, um, I mean, in a sense, Jacob, even though he was a schemer, he had a leg to stand on. Um, and he goes and, and, and he tricks uh, Isaac, and Isaac does bless him. And even though he blesses him as though he were Esau, Jacob is still blessed. It's a supernatural thing. And that doesn't mean Jacob, everything always goes right in Jacob's life. In fact, he loses everything. He sees none of the inheritance from his parents. In fact, when he runs away from his brother after his father dies, he doesn't see his parents ever again. Later, many years later, he returns. But God still gives him an inheritance. God still blesses him. He multiplies. He flourishes. He increases. Even though he's in difficult circumstances and people take advantage of him, he still flourishes. When Laban, his uncle, cheats him and, 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 and schemes against him, 
you know, uh, saying, you know, firstly, you know, you'll get all the, the, goats, the, the goats and lambs with spots and so on. Then all of a sudden, all the goats and lambs, you know, have spots. And then he gets them, you know. And when he changes that, no, you know, to the other ones, then, then you know, God changes that as well. And, and, he's, and he's constantly, supernaturally blessed. Um, once again, the blessing comes from God. Um, parents are very often, like Isaac, used to impart that blessing. In other words, parents are, according to God, supposed to function as priests who impart blessing to their children. There's a famous scripture, one of my favorite in the Bible, in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, where it says, where God says, speaking about the covenant, He says, Behold, I, I call heaven and earth against you today that I place before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live. Whatever you choose, life or death, blessing or cursing, You choose it not only for yourself, but for your descendants after you. So those of you who are getting married, those of you who are young, those of you who have children, remember, whatever you choose, you choose for yourself and coming generations. So choose life, choose blessing. God says it's there. I hold before you life and death, blessing and cursing. If you choose me, you choose life. And not only will you experience it, but those who are coming after you will experience it. Your children will thank you for the blessing that you choose. And it's not always easy to choose blessing because the devil wants us to be cursed. And he'll fight against us being able to access the blessing of God. He'll f- you know, to receive blessing, you need to be in the right place. Like, for instance, in that scripture we read in number 6, it was at the tabernacle service, at the end of the tabernacle service, that the priesthood pronounced blessing over the people. So they had to position themselves to receive that blessing. And wherever you position yourself to receive blessing, by being at church or by um, you know, obeying God in whatever way to receive blessing, even when it's difficult and when, when, when the devil opposes you in that, encourage yourself and remind yourself that it's worth it because you are fighting that battle. So that not only you can be blessed, but so your children after you can be blessed. Let me just give you a, a very simple example, you know. If you are, I was looking at Patat and Marie, they're about to get married um, very soon. <laughs> and um, God has brought them together and, and blessed them with one another. And, uh, you know, two young, beautiful people who are in love with each other, it can be very sort of tempting, you know. And the world will say, go for it, you know. Have sex before marriage, you know. Um, you don't buy a car without test driving it first after all. And all kinds of rationalizations like that. But they know, they know that that is something special that God has given them. Not for their pleasure, but for them to be able to covenantally give themselves to one another. And when they resist that temptation, you know, when they resist that temptation... God blesses them. And the devil's going to make it difficult sometimes to resist that temptation because, you know, Patati is such a handsome guy. <laughs> and Marie is such a beautiful young lady, you know. <laughs> so that, <laughs> the devil's going to make it difficult, you know. But, but when they obey and they say, no, we, 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 we're going to honor one another, and more than that, we're going to honor God, and we're going to give ourselves to one another in covenant. We understand that. God blesses that. There's a special blessing that comes not only upon them, but upon their children who, are, who will be born from that union, from that sexual union that comes after they married. 
Okay? And that's how it works, you know. Um, the effort to obey God, to position yourself to receive the blessing, is worth it. That's what I'm trying to say. So, um, whatever you choose, you choose not only for yourself, but for your, for your um, descendants. And, and blessing, God blesses that which reflects him, and he curses that which does not reflect him. So that which reflects him will increase in the world, and that which does not will, will decrease. And then, what does blessing result in? Um, I'll just put up a, a little definition of, of blessing here from a, a certain scholar. He says, to bless in the Old Testament means to endure with power for success, prosperity, fidelity, longevity, long life, in other words, etc. Uh, it is frequently contrasted with the word for, for cursing, which means to esteem lightly or to curse. And one, one good example was that scripture that I, that I quoted. Um, and then no, just notice this. Um, often there are parallelisms like this in, the, in, in, in scripture um, where, where God says the same thing over in different words. So if you look at, at that blessing, it says the Lord. Every, each phrase starts with the Lord. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Uh, the Lord turn his face towards you. Uh, notice that the Lord is every time the giver of the blessing and, and you, us, the people of God, every time the receiver. And then it says, bless, which is to make face, your face shine on, to turn your face towards. And the result of it is that you are kept. The Lord bless you and keep you, be gracious to you, give peace to you. And now it's blessing results in you being guarded and kept, protected. There's a protection that comes with blessing. There's a covering that comes with blessing. The devil, when he comes to God at the beginning of Job, he complains against God. He says, yes, you know, obviously Job serves you because you build a hedge of protection around him. I can't touch him. That's God's blessing, that hedge of protection that he builds around him. And the devil complains about it because he cannot get to Job. And God says, okay, fine, I'll take that hedge of protection away because I want to show you that Job doesn't just serve me for the rewards. He serves me for me. Okay? And that's the important thing with blessing. Okay? Blessing is important and it's wonderful and it's nice, but we shouldn't want the blessing more than we want the blesser. Okay? Um, but there is a keeping, there's a hedge of protection that comes with blessing. There's a grace that comes with blessing. God's unmerited favor is just um, goodness, positive goodness towards us. It'll give you peace. Now the word peace here, us as, as English speaking people are at a bit of a disadvantage because to us peace just means the absence of war, the absence of conflict. But in, in the Old Testament the word shalom, which is translated peace, means a lot more than the absence of conflict or war. It means the presence of total well-being. Everything that we need to flourish in life. That's what shalom means. Total peace. Total well-being. And that's what the results of blessing are that God gives to us. So blessing is about God's face shining on us. God, blessing, and the results of blessing is being kept, being favored, being at peace, having total well-being. Blessing empowers you with everything that you need to flourish and increase in every area of life. And David... Um, uh, ja ja Jacob experienced this. He flourished in life despite his mistakes. And he had many. Despite his, his sins, and he had many, he flourished in life because of God's blessing that was upon him. 
But also notice that Jacob didn't just increase. Sometimes he decreased. Even though God's blessing was upon him, sometimes he decreased. He lost his natural inheritance. Esau received that in the end um, from his parents. Remember when, I mean, he, he comes to Laban and Laban actually takes advantage of him. Okay? But despite being taken advantage of and even stolen from by Laban, he's still blessed. And then he wrestles with the angel of the Lord. Remember when he's going back to meet his brother um, Esau? And, and he says, bless me. And, and, and then the angel of the Lord touches him on his hip. And his hip is injured. And he, for the rest of his days, he walks with a limp, you know, like this, you know. So sometimes blessing will cause you to decrease, but on the long run you will increase. Sometimes blessing will cause you, will cripple you, you know, and you walk with a limp for the rest of your life, but you will be blessed. Some of you are wondering, you know, why am I limping through life, you know? Isn't everything, doesn't blessing mean everything must just go right in my life? No. Blessing is not according to the world's definition of success. It's according to God's. Sometimes blessing will even mean that you will decrease in the sense of being pruned. Because what God wants to flourish, he often has to prune. So he often has to cut away stuff that don't belong there, that are not good for us, but that we want and that we think are good for us. And when they are cut away, pruned away, it doesn't feel like blessing. In fact, it sometimes feels like cursing. But actually, God is setting us up for blessing by pruning us. Okay? So please don't get the wrong idea of blessing that it just means, you know, the Toyota slogan, alles loop reg, altijd reg. It doesn't mean that. It means sometimes God will take things away. But it's, it's, those are things, only things that are ultimately, God will sometimes withhold things, but those are only things ultimately that are not, will not be a blessing to you. Okay. So the, the end result of blessing is that people can see the blessing upon you. Now, here's just... How does blessing work? How do you receive blessing? And, and that last phrase in, in, in the scripture says it, and so they will put my name upon the Israelites and I will bless them. In other words, ultimately blessing means being drawn, having God's name put on you. In other words, be, when, when you put your name upon someone, when they become part of your family. I gave my name to Rochelle when she married me and became part of my family. Now her surname, which used to be Isaac's, is now Swart. Okay? We're a, um, I said on, on, my, on my wedding, uh, we're a white man and a, and a colored lady with a black surname. So we're the perfect family for the new South Africa. <laughs> um, Swart, for those of you who don't speak Afrikaans, means black in Afrikaans. You give your name to someone, they become part of your family. So when it says, and so they will put my name upon them, and I will bless them, because that's what you do, you bless your family. It means that God, the way that he blesses us is by drawing us into his family and putting his name upon us so that he can bless us. Imagine someone who grew up dirt poor without parents and is then adopted into a rich, prosperous family. And all of a sudden, they take the name of that family upon themselves. All of a sudden, all of the resources and privileges of that family are at their disposal. And that's what God says. We are orphans. We are cast outs. We are poor, without resources, without 
protection, without support. And he calls us and welcomes us into his family so that he can bless us. And, and blessing in that sense means that you do what a good father in that family will do. Not only encourage you to be all that you can be, but place all of his resources at your disposal to empower you to be all that you can be. And that's what God does for us when he blesses us. Now, there's a bit of a problem here. Because the same Moses who is told, say you know, to the people, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and turn his face towards you, is the same Moses who in Exodus 33 was told, but he said, God said, you cannot see my face. For no one can see my face and live. No human being, no man can see my face and live. But, but here God says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you. But then he says, but you cannot see his face. Why can, firstly, why can't we see God's face and live? Well, the reality is, as human beings, we are fallen, we are sinful. Each of us sin every day. And if you don't think you sin every day, then you're not very self-aware. Because, you know, sin is not just lying to other people. It's also lying to yourself. It's lying to God. Sin is not just um, the things that you do, but the things that you ought to do that you fail to do. So every time you fail to give glory to God, when you do the right thing even in the wrong way, for your own glory rather than for God's glory, for your own benefit rather than for God's glory, that is sin. Sin is not just committing adultery, but just thinking about adultery. And lusting after someone in your heart. That's what Jesus says is already adultery. So we are, as human beings, we're fallen, we're sinful. We don't reflect God's image. God should actually curse us. And God's perfect holiness and, and our fallen sinfulness don't mix. It's like fire and water. When you put fire and water together, one will extinguish the other. Either the, 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 the water will evaporate and be burned away, or the fire will be extinguished and die. But the two cannot exist in the same place at the same time. And God's holiness and our sinfulness is like that. It's like fire and water. They don't mix. So how can that God who is so holy say to people like Israel and like us who are so sinful, my face will shine upon you. I'll turn my face towards you. Because think about it. What does, it, what does that mean? What does that mean? If you're sitting in, you know, you're going for dinner and you're sitting around a dinner table with, say, 10 people, you might be in the presence of all 10 people, but your face is turned towards usually one person that you're having a conversation with, that you're talking to. It's personal attention. Now, God is so amazing, He can give personal attention to millions of people at the same time. So it's not, when it says, oh, my face will shine upon you, I'll turn my face towards you, it's not just God's general presence, which everyone experiences because He's omnipresent, He's present everywhere. It's His specific personal attention and personal relationship with him which everyone does not experience that only certain people experience how can God give that to us who are fallen and sinful and, and, and this text here gives us a clue it says the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you it's through his grace that a holy God can make his face shine upon sinful people and, and, and Moses would have had a clue to that because they are told at the end of the, of the tabernacle service that the, the Aaronic priesthood should speak out the blessing and say, 
the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. At the end of the service, and that service would have been, a big part of that service would have been sacrificing animals, blood sacrifice, to make atonement for the sins. But you know what, what Moses saw only partially, we see fully. And I just want to show you this, just going quickly back in closing to, to that story that we, we read about, um, about Jacob and Esau. So Rebecca says to, to Jacob, then take, take eat the two, two goats of the food that I'm going to make to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, but my brother Esau is, the, is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. And right there, you have a picture of the gospel. Rebecca says, the curse, yes, you do deserve a curse for tricking your father. But may the curse fall upon me so that the blessing may come upon you. And what Rebecca said rashly, Jesus did intentionally. The curse that we deserve because of our sin, because we did not reflect the image of God, came upon Jesus. So that the blessing which he did reserve because he per- deserved because he perfectly reflects the image of God, so that blessing could come upon us. That's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that the curse we deserved fell upon Jesus so that the blessing he deserves can fall upon us. And Galatians 3 says it. Jesus Christ became a curse for us so that the blessing of God can come upon us. When you bless someone, you, you can bless their person, who they are, for reflecting the image of God. And everyone, even, even no matter how sinful we are, to some extent we still reflect the image of God. So you can bless someone's person, you can bless their performance because their actions reflect the image of God. Or you can bless their potential because they have the potential to reflect the image of God. Okay? Bless their person, their performance, their potential. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to receive more blessing. Hang out with priests. Hang out with the kingdom of priests. You know, rock with the flock <laughs> of the shepherd, of the great shepherd. Hang out, hang out with, with, the, with the kingdom of priests so that you can receive more blessing. But also give more blessing by being a priest. The blessing that you receive, give it. Freely receive, freely give. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.